Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of The Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one of a kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcast1.com. Seinfeld, the cartoon is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who have overloaded the complaint department. I'm Rob Cisrino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keith, how are you? I'm doing all right, Rob. Just okay? Well, I mean, I, I'm just like a little, you know, skept- uh, skeptical. That yeah. this is going to uh, record because I just did a podcast with uh, Chester. I did my sports show with him, and it was blank. There's nothing. Yeah. We were shooting blanks. There's nothing in there. I thought you were doing a bit for a second, but no, you're just uh, depressing us with uh, <laughs> podcasts not working. Yeah, no, like now I, it had never happened to me before. Now it's happened, and now I feel like you know we could say this two hours. It could be absolute gold, and then it could just like you know, fall into the ether, and then what happens? No, no, no. I mean, with all due respect to the great Alexander Chester. uh, Literally no respect is due. Not amateur hour over here. We've got backups to our backups, so uh, we're going to be fine. Okay, fine. If you say so, I trust you. Okay. You know, short of an asteroid hitting my house or, you know, something happening to Scott St. Pierre, we're going to be good. What if an asteroid hits my house? How are we? Okay. Sure, sure. We'll be right there. fine. Okay. Okay. All right, so we got a lot to talk about here in uh, the cartoon, uh, all about a uh, number of different events going on in the Seinfeld world, including uh, the return of Kathy Griffin, George dating a woman who looks like Jerry, and Elaine trying to uh, write for the New Yorker, or at least do cartoons for the New Yorker. Keeve, also, uh, if you're listening to this uh, over the weekend, that uh, you will have also heard our interview with Spike Ferenson, who and Spike was great on the podcast. Yeah, he was great. Um, yeah, I think people will really like that. And um, maybe there's one more writer we'll get before the end of the series. Okay, if you missed that midweek, go back and check that out in the uh, post-show recaps feed or the post-show recaps Seinfeld feed at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Okay, Keeve. So are we, are we still giving out the uh, iTunes feed? Is that okay or no? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we give it out? Well, because we don't want any new people listening. Yeah, I don't know if you know. I, on my podcast this week, somebody said, uh, did you hear this? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, on, on the latest uh, 32 Fans podcast, not the one that nobody will ever hear, mm-hmm. but the, the, the Candy Bar Rankings podcast, yeah. our guest, who I won't shame, I won't, um, you know, I don't want to say stupid shame, but like a gullible shame, um, sa- we mentioned something about a food discussion we had had on, on this podcast where we discussed candy bars. And the person said, oh, I'd like to hear that. Send me the link. And then immediately said, oh, wait, I don't have the password. So don't even don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Unironically, no. they said that. So I think maybe we're too I don't want to say clever because I don't think we're clever. But like, you know, too you know, too uh, you know, jokey for our own good. I think <laughs> we're we, too serious. We, yeah, we maybe sarcasm doesn't translate at all on the Internet. Like, this is what I'm learning. 
No, I think we're fine. It's good. The people who uh, get it really get it. And eventually, somewhere down the road, everybody else will catch up. All right, so uh, let's get into uh, talking about uh, the cartoon. Originally aired January 29th, 1998. And, Keeve, for the most part, I did enjoy the cartoon, uh, much like last week with the reverse people. I feel like that uh, this was a smaller in scale episode. Um, yeah, to a degree. I mean, you could argue the Kathy Griffin stuff gets a little cartoony, yeah, no pun yeah, intended. Yeah, that gets a little big. You know and... what? The timeline gets sped up. How about that? Like, in nothing there is unrealistic, but it, all of that happening in what seems like weeks at most is unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, her career really takes off uh, in this world. So uh, we'll get into all that. Written by Bruce Eric Kaplan. Uh, what else has he done, Keeve? Uh, this is only the second episode he wrote. He wrote another episode early this season. He's actually best known for, um, I think he actually was a New Yorker cartoonist. Oh. Uh, which is like what what made him think of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also known as Beck, B-A-K. That's like his, that's, you know, when when you see him in the New Yorker, that's what right. he, uh, but his, his most famous episode is the Merv Griffin show from this uh, television show. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, let's dive in with uh, Jerry and Kramer walking down the street talking about how UNICEF is a scam. Do they still have UNICEF? Yeah. I don't think it went out of business unless it really was a scam. Yeah. Do kids still come around like with the cardboard box and like collect coins from people? It's probably mostly over the internet. The only thing I remember about UNICEF is, and maybe this is a scam now, is you know how soccer teams or football for our international listeners mm-hmm. – um, they ha- they have a sponsor on their jersey and it doesn't yeah. say the team name. Yeah. So I remember like so it'll say like Carlsberg beer, you know, Newcastle United, Carlsberg beer. So for Real Madrid, one of the biggest teams in Europe, one time they like they want to work at a deal with UNICEF. And instead of like Budweiser paying a, a team like 15 million dollars a year to be on their kit, as they call it in England, mm-hmm. Real Madrid had to pay UNICEF to wear UNICEF jerseys. Hmm. Like they paid for the sponsorship. Why? So I don't know about UNICEF. Oh, I guess it was like prestigious to be like, hey, we're doing this yeah. for charity. We're not going to charge the charity. I don't know why that it wasn't just like a, okay, we don't charge you, but we're also like not going to pay you. But no, they had to pay for like the honor of, I guess like you seem classy. I guess so. You yeah, you wearing, like, good. It's like a Roger Federer thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you're a big tennis guy. But it's like we want to seem super classy. But when I was, uh, you know, in elementary school and, Mm -hmm. you know, what I remember was for UNICEF, like they'd send you out with like a cardboard box and you'd need to go like collect like paper money from people. Do they still do that or do they send kids out with like iPhone and like a square? It's a good question, but I'm not sure. I haven't I've never really seen them around uh, since like the 90s. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. So not sure. Uh, I feel like that there was also they were pushing kids to like go door to door and collect for UNICEF, and I feel like that there's not a lot of pushing mm, small yeah. kids to go door to door for stuff. That's a good call. That's a good call. There might be a couple, you know, like uh, they walk that back, there. right? Yes. Okay, so here's Sally Weaver, played by Kathy Griffin. Keeve, can you give us a reset on Sally Weaver's character? Yeah. So she was in the doll. She's Susan Ross's old college roommate. In the doll, she was most notable for uh, she lived in, I think it was Memphis, where Jerry went to do a set. And Jerry really wanted a bottle of barbecue sauce that had Charles Grodin's lookalike on it because he was going on the Charles Grodin show. Mm -hmm. And so she was flying into New York. And instead of bringing the Charles Grodin sauce, she brought what she deemed a better sauce. So she had messed up there. So then he when he's going on the Charles Grodin show, he asks her to bring the doll that looks like Estelle. She has brought 
this doll to Susan already that looks like Estelle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Susan had like unpacked her doll collection. So, right. So then Sally, so Sally's supposed to bring the doll to Jerry. And uh, instead, what does she bring? She brought a different doll because she thought it was much funnier. Right, right. I believe, does she also give a giant wedding present and it's a doormat to yes, she gives carry them a, on the yes, airplane? That's what she brought them, correct. She brought... She br- she bought them a doormat for a wedding present. Yeah, correct. So she's a mess up. Okay, so she's a she, screw up. She's going to be here now. She's moved to New York City and she's trying to break into theater, which seems odd because I don't think that this was part of her character at all uh, the first time around. But maybe after she came up to New York, she sort of got the acting bug and she asked Jerry to go to all of her different shows. And to me, Keith, I think that this was a bit of a throwback storyline for Kramer where we haven't had this in a while where Jerry confides in Kramer. She's terrible. She stinks. She should get out of the business. And then when Jerry goes to see Sally Weaver, Kramer immediately blurts that out. Yeah, uh, Kramer doing like extreme honesty where he's never allowed to lie is better than like, oh, Kramer is another wacky contraption in his apartment at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a callback to episodes like The Nose Job where somebody tells Kramer a piece of information and not even thinking, and then Kramer is going to be the one to uh, blurt it out and he's unable to control himself. Yes. And they've also, you know, played off of that where they want him to say something uh, with, uh, I forget which girl had a bad hairstyle, and then Kramer liked the hairstyle. So uh, a little bit of a throwback to this here in season nine. I love how Jerry ends the awkward conversation with Sally after Kramer tells her that Jerry said she should get out of the business, where Jerry says to her, so Susan's dead. (laughs) It's really funny. Like, it's a smart comeback for the writer's. Uh, my question would be, like, if she was her college roommate and her friend that she's still hanging out with, you know, very recently on the show, were they not at the funeral together? I have no idea if she came up for the funeral. Why are you? She had to. She yeah. had to have come up for the funeral. Yeah. So uh, maybe they just didn't, like, get a lot of FaceTime together at the funeral. Right, right. And they probably haven't had it. seems like something you say this. to someone you haven't seen since Susan died. Mm-hmm. I think that Jerry had nothing else to talk to her about other than this. Sure. That's their common thread. That's fair. Right. That's their mutual friend. All right. Not. So Jerry and Kramer are at uh, Monk's with Elaine, and uh, Jerry and Kramer get into a little bit of an argument. Jerry's saying, why can't you ever uh, keep your big mouth shut? Kramer says that, uh, look, if this is how, if we're not going to have a pleasant meal, I'm going to go back to your place and eat. Yeah, it's a really good line. It's like, yep, I'm, if I'm being made fun of here, then I'm going to go back to my you know, home kitchen, which is your house, Jerry. So, Keeve, In talking about Sally, uh, she says that, uh, you know, Kramer's right. Uh, Some people should give up. Elaine has given up. uh, And Jerry asks, what did you want to be? Elaine can't even remember. Yeah, you will see a lot of Elaine's desperation. I mean, next week, it's even maybe it's the most desperate Elaine we've seen. Not like thirsty Elaine, just like I've given up on life, Elaine. Yeah, we've really, really talked about the... this since season mm-hmm. seven, since the point yes. where George uh, got engaged. But in season eight, it it stops a little bit. I mean, you know, the, now the episodes where there's no putty, it's like Elaine is just a sad sack. Yeah. That's basically what we're getting. Well, I do think even in season eight, she goes through that. I mean, we've talked about that with uh, the bizarro Jerry. Yeah, that's true. Like that's a, a little bit of a standalone, but yeah. That's for sure. Elaine trying to figure out, like, what am I doing with my life? Here, she's just totally beaten down. 
The one thing, though, that sort of sparks her interest is that she's looking at these cartoons in The New Yorker, and she doesn't get this. Uh, I like that she's trying to get Jerry to explain it to her, and she says, "Uh, Jerry, you're on the fringe of the humor business, and uh, this cartoon that she's looking at, can you describe it, Keeve? So there's a dog and a cat. We don't see it. We never see either, you know, of the main cartoons. It's just uh, explained. And this one's explained a little worse than the one Elaine writes later in the episode, right? There's a dog. There's a cat. It looks like an office, maybe an accountant office. And it says, I just read your email. And obviously, this is an early email. So, like, anything with email or internet or World Wide Web is like a funny punchline in, in 1997, 1998. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Elaine doesn't get it. She can't figure out why this is supposed to be funny. She's asking Jerry. George comes in. And he tries to uh, look at it. He is of no help. He thinks it has to do with the number 42, which is the page number. And Elaine uh, is really going to do a deep dive into trying to understand this uh, New Yorker cartoon. Keith, does the New Yorker still do cartoons? Yes, definitely. Okay. Definitely do. Uh, Is the cartoon dead as a medium? The issue is that, no pun intended here, That when you read the New Yorker as a magazine, the cartoons are just in the middle of articles. So you stop, you see the cartoon, you keep reading. Whereas if I'm going to read one of these New Yorker long reads or a New Yorker article, which uh, will be recommended to us in the mailbag, that's very funny. You're not going to – I mean they do – I believe they do insert the cartoons maybe into some of the articles. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to really go out and seek it the way you were – if you were like turning the pages of a hardcover magazine. I think the same thing with newspapers, right? As newspapers die – You'd have to really love Ziggy's or The Far Side or Garfield to, like, go to the author's website or, wherever, you know, wherever you could. I'm sure you could find every cartoon online now daily. But if you're not, like, opening up that Newsday or the or, you know, whatever your local newspaper is every day, you're, you're not going to see the, you know, the funny section. You're not going to see the cartoons anymore. Did the meme kill the comic, the cartoon? Um, the one panel cartoon, obviously not, uh, sort of talking about like, uh, animation. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't think it killed it. I think it was already dying. And now the meme is just the next generation of cartoons. Yeah. Are you surprised that the sort of one panel cartoon has not become a fixture? You would think that a, like the far side or a Ziggy or something like a family circle could have made the jump to Facebook where instead of in a yes. newspaper or even Twitter or yeah, even Twitter with Twitter, yeah. Instagram, all these platforms seem like that they would be perfect for yeah, Instagram the- would probably be best, right? It's just one a day every single day. But there's maybe no way to monetize that. Is that what the issue is? Because I mean, probably. Yeah. What are these newspapers uh, paying? I, I mean, I hope that there's uh, some cartoonist that's listening that can take advantage of this. Yeah, if we have a cartoonist expert, I would be interested. I think with the newspapers, you, like, let's say you only get a, a very small, let's say a couple hundred bucks a month. I'm just getting, I mean, it could be much lower, it could be much higher. But, you know, the thing is, if you're in 300 newspapers, if you're in every newspaper because you are, um, you know, uh, Kathy or whatever, Mm-hmm. then that's how you make the money, right? If you're if you're a peanuts and like every single paper that has a comic section has to pay for your strip, then you make money. I think just being in one or two, you wouldn't make anything. Yeah. I, I may, by the way, this w- probably exists. Obviously, it's not super mainstream as none of a, neither of us have come across it, but I'm sure some of these comics or new comics are definitely doing this, putting out content every day. Yeah. We're just not seeing it. Doonesbury could have a big comeback in the political climate. 
Yeah, I mean, some of them just went to like the Dilbert guy went to like he went, went the opposite way. He's like, oh, everyone's on Twitter. I'm just going to give my political takes on Twitter. I'm not going to like talk about Dilbert here at all. Now go back and do the cartoon. That's what yeah, we, we want the cartoon, buddy. Yeah. I mean, what are Calvin and Hobbes doing? They're still just going along. I feel like most of them. Some of these are like in reruns. Yeah. You know, like Peanuts, like Charles Schultz died and they were still around, but they were in reruns. So I, I do think some of these comics retire or, you know, die of old age or whatever. And then you're just you're reading them. But they're it's not the main guy anymore. OK, so Keeve, Elaine really would like to uh, get to the bottom of this. Uh, we find out that she is an aspiring uh, cartoonist and she would like to have her cartoon published in The New Yorker. Uh, we see George is meeting Janet. That's his uh, new girlfriend. And she has a uh, very similar look to one Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, it's very hard to pull off, right? If you're writing this in the script, you could scour all of Los Angeles for female actress who looks a lot like Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. You're going to get someone who, 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 you know, oh, it's not absurd, right? Like, oh, that, but it, you're not going to find someone that actually looks like Jerry, right? Yeah. So it's how did possible. they do? How did they do? I think, yeah, I, I don't think like she looks like him a lot. I, I, she probably looks more like him than the last 10 George girlfriends, right? But I, I don't think. Do you think she looks like him? I don't think so. I think that she looks enough like him that you can see it. I actually think they did a good in job the, with in the, the in the final scene. She looks like him. How about yeah. that? I mean, I, I think that facially uh, they look. Similar. You, if they hadn't said it, would you ever say, "Wow, she looks like Jerry"? No, but once they no. say it, I think I can sure. also see it. It's not okay. like you can do the math. Then. It's not like a nobody beats the whiz. Or like, wait, wh- what are they doing here? What are they going right. for? I, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I like that Elaine, she sort of is the first one to throw it out there. And then she sort of gets rebuffed a bit, and she's like, ah, you know what, I don't even care. <laughs> like, a very despondent Elaine. Um, yeah, no, Elaine in this, I also like when they're, at the, when they're at the table, and Elaine says to Jerry in front of George, like, we're two smart people, how could we not figure this out? Mm-hmm, yeah. Now, George goes to the register here on the way out that they're late for the movie and they were going to go to the supermarket and get candy. They don't have time, so he just dumps out the bowl of candy that's on the counter at Monk's. Now, personality-wise, that she's clearly not a Jerry because uh, Jerry would not be down for that. You mean because it's gross? It's like public candy? Yeah, right. Yeah, but she's not personality-wise. She's not a Jerry. They don't make any sort of... right. You know, like effort to make her into a Jerry. She does have one other interesting personality quirk, Keeve. Uh, She seems rather obsessed with gum, and it's unexplained throughout the episode. She's a real, like, Violet Beauregard uh, in this manner. One of the interesting things about this episode is that they put, just in the deleted scenes, like the official ones, they have four different scenes. So they must have realized, like, this wasn't a home run, or they they were too heavy on the George and Janet storyline. Because most of the deleted scenes are about their relationship. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them is, um, well, I guess really they're mo- it's mostly, I guess, Kramer, mm-hmm. the deleted scenes. But I, I do think you get you get more of the backstory to the fi- at least the, the final scene. Yeah. When George when George calls up Kramer and they're sort of discussing the relationship. You also learn in that final scene that they haven't sealed the deal yet. And that's and that makes more sense. It's not a funny scene, so I get why they caught it, why they cut it. But George, uh, like the, the whole thing is like, well, if I'm attracted to Jerry, I can't sleep with her, right? 
And so we don't, you almost assume like they're two grownups. They may have, they, they seem pretty established. They say like you've been holding on to her for a while. So you figure they've been dating for at least a few weeks. So it's never said like, oh, they actually haven't done it yet. So it, it, it actually makes more sense when you know they haven't. And he's like been battling this now where it's like, oh, I can't actually like even sleep with her once. It's not that I'm going to break up with her. It's like we, I can't even consummate the relationship at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've been together a few weeks. Like, I feel like this yeah, is the first time they're seeing but her. They, they're the first time they're seeing her, but they also say, like, oh, you've, how come you've been, like, hiding her from us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, if it was one date, they wouldn't say that. Okay. Does George, in your mind, internally realize what he is sitting on here, a woman who has some physical features of Jerry Seinfeld? Does he realize, like, did he realize before they said it? Yeah. Does he sort of subconsciously know it or once it's pointed out to him then he can't not see it i think it's more the latter uh maybe subconsciously he's sort of like oh this person looks familiar the way we you know you discuss like hey i know you from somewhere i'm not sure where mm-hmm. but i i don't think he thought like he would never have gone out with her if he, if he thought she looked like jerry until it was pointed out to him okay so key we go back to jerry's apartment and kramer it's funny that he has like a list of the messages that he took uh for jerry dozens of messages yes yeah. which include george george elaine george again elaine newman uh but that was a crank call and Sally, who is mad at you for ruining her life. Yeah, very casually. She, you ruined her life. Yeah. And Jerry says that, no, I did that. you did that. Well, that's not how she remembers it. And uh, I like the line where Jerry says that uh, she should quit, but it shouldn't be because of me. It should be the traditional route. Years of rejections and failures until she spit out at the bottom of the porn industry. Wow, that's dark. It's dark, but probably uh, there's some truth there. Sure. I mean, probably less so in New York than L.A., but I hear you. Yeah. Okay. And Jerry mentions to Kramer about how George's girlfriend uh, was told looks like him. And sure enough, when she walks in, Kramer blurts out, you must be, uh, you look exactly like Jerry. Uh, You're like twins. (laughs) Right. He also tells Jerry that Jerry looks like Lena Horne, Mm -hmm. who doesn't really look like her. Okay. I don't really know what Lena Horne looks like. I think she's like an African-American actress from like back in the day. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I've heard uh, Tupac uh, talk about her. Yeah. Lena Horne. I mean, the Jerry to Lena Horne, that would be a rare cross-gender, cross-racial like look-alike comparison. Mm-hmm. You, don't, yeah, you, you don't, don't see that a lot. You don't get that a lot. Yeah. So um, could be maybe if she did her hair a certain way. She could I think be- I, I, I called her an actress. I think she's more famous as a singer to be fair, like a jazz singer, Lena Horne. Yeah. So this really sets George off. He wants to leave. Kramer is just piling on, uh, hey, just because they look alike doesn't mean you're secretly in love with Jerry. And uh, George uh, shuffles Janet away. And uh, Jerry gets really mad. He hits Kramer. Uh, yeah, not, Jerry doesn't do a lot of hitting. Elaine is the pusher here, so yeah. where Jerry hit. Uh, and he says, uh, what are you doing? Uh, and uh, don't tell a woman she looks like a man, and, and George doesn't want to hear that his girlfriend looks like me, uh, and Kramer wants to, well, how should I have broached the subject? <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I, and Kramer doesn't, know, doesn't understand a lot of, like, social norms, but I feel like you learn in first grade, like, don't tell a woman she looks like another woman. Obviously, don't tell her she looks like a man. Right, right. And- like, there was, a, there was a, uh, on a Facebook group that we're both on, there was a, a thread of like, who do you look like, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if I had just started like, hey, uh, you know, Lindsay from Toronto, you look like Brad Pitt, I would have gotten kicked off the group. Like if you just start saying, you know, like people, you know, just any don't tell any woman, like, don't go to your wife tonight and be like, you know, honey, you look like a cross between, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, and Angelina Jolie, which you think is a compliment. She's going to hate one of the two of them and she's gonna yeah, take that as an insult. two people is tricky you know you got to really know the person well before you can uh, roll out something like this uh i love kramer's response here also he's like well it sounds like someone is having a bad day and jerry's points out yeah because of you <laughs> uh and kramer again is like well i think one of us should leave so again so i, I really like the place where this starts with uh with jerry and kramer in this episode yeah you don't like where it ends uh, I, I feel like that the silent treatment or Kramer not talking mm. doesn't really uh, go. Uh, that my my issues with this episode are going to be how everything ties up. Yeah, okay. It's a little bit of a spoiler. Okay, so we see Jerry back meeting with Sally, and Jerry gives her a pep talk and says, "Hey, look, uh, this is show business. People say you stink all the time. Uh, people yell out all the time that you stink." Uh, and she points out, "Yeah, you've been stinking since the '80s." Right, it's one of these things where the second he starts talking, he she he is like, sort of calmed her down and like quelled her concerns, and and she's like making fun of him, and she's back on the horse. She's back on the. Uh, I'm sure people quit show business every day and don't actually quit it. Right. So, all right, Sally goes back out there, and Jerry feels like everything is fixed. Uh, it's not. So back in Jerry's apartment, Elaine is still walking around with the cartoon. She doesn't know how anybody can think it's funny. And uh, she's going to get to the bottom of this. Jerry assures her, no, we are at the bottom. And here comes George. And Elaine, once again, resets that uh, Janet is a very handsome woman. Yeah, and that's pointed. Obviously, you don't say that unless, uh, again, if you if you said to your wife, you're the most handsome woman on earth. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Uh, I like that Elaine uh, drops that bomb, knows what she's done, and then says, enjoy, as she walks out of the room. Yeah, I do. Are you... That's a fun way to live life if you can do that. Like literally be like, a, you know, a like a social t- a social terrorist. Like, you, yeah, you throw a grenade. You leave the you leave the uh, room. I mean, Larry David in, in Curb, he calls himself a social social assassin. Right. Yeah. Where he'll like say something so cutting and leave. But here it is a little different where it's like you're the third person. You you drop a bomb and you get out and let them deal with the. By the way, this is a fun thing to do, like in life now. Yeah. Like if you're at like a lunch with people and you hate them. Start an argument about politics and then leave. Mm-hmm. And then they have to deal with like the fallout of like people like fighting for the next hour. Yeah. It's a good idea. Tyson is somebody that could pull a move like this. I think Tyson, your your co-host on News AF, yeah. He would probably be uh like yeah, I, I'd see like he could really I think he would be maybe like a gold medal winner at that sort of thing. Yeah. Unless you meant Mike Tyson. I don't know how both. great he would be. Both. So Jerry and George, it's awkward now. They both go to Kramer. Kramer, hey, get in here. Where's the K-Man? First time ever that they're both calling for Kramer to come in, and they want to hear some wacky stories. Come talk to us. And he has an important decision that he's made. He is going to uh, not speak anymore. He's causing more problems. Yeah. Um, the, I, I Like the vow of silence, I do think it's a funny idea. But as you said, it's uh, 
you know, what are you, what are you going to do with it? Like comedically, it's hard to have him not talk and, and really hit a home run. Mm-hmm. And then Kramer talks about the problems that he's had. Why does he need to talk? Uh, you know, that he's been shooting off his mouth so much lately. First with the girl whose life Jerry destroyed. And then about George dating a uh, lady Jerry. And then uh, I think he's a, a femme Jerry. And then uh, he actually then uh, goes on to say, and what do I need to talk about? It's a blab about how to everybody at the coffee shop that George is all mixed up in a perverse sexual amalgam of some girl and his best friend. Now, we've had sort of similar storylines. Obviously, in the outing, we, we have like our Jerry and George gay together. But again, that's just like a misunderstanding. They don't think they're. They don't have like concerns about whether they're actually gay with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the ex-girlfriend, much earlier in the series, uh, I think George basically says I'm homophobic. It was a different time, the early 90s. Um, what about the uh, massage? What do you think about in the massage? Uh, right, right. I mean, there's there's about five different. Right. Yeah, it moves. Um, I, I, um, I like do you what do you think? Where do you think this episode racks up? There was an article somebody sent me. On LifeZet, which is, I think, a conservative, like, uh, website, but this is just their pop culture section that had, like, the 17 Seinfeld episodes that wouldn't be PC enough. Mm-hmm. And I th- I don't know. I, I don't know the author. I don't. I, they took it seriously. They didn't make fun of it. But I don't know if it was like, oh, man, it was better when it was PC or not. They didn't really have a point of view. Yeah. She just, the author just says she read it. But she did not include this episode as one of the seventeen. I don't think that this episode really goes over the line. I don't think there's anything here that you would have to walk back. Uh, of course, we remember back to the outing of, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. Here, there's a little bit of, you know, um, uh, George sort of debating whether or not he could be in love with Jerry and he kind of explores it momentarily, but he's not really willing to, you know, we hear his inner monologue at one point, but he sort of wants to hide or closet those feelings uh, if they are real. I don't think that we have anything that's over the line, Keith. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I just thought, like, if the list is 17, it's interesting that it doesn't crack the 17, but... Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't think, uh, you know, you right. You deal with it differently, but there's nothing here that I'm crying about. Right. I, I think that it's more that George does not want to deal with the complicated relationship that he's in love with Jerry. Not so much that he is potentially in love with a man. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry just feels like that this is all too bizarre that George could be in love with him. Again, uh, I, I don't think that there's anything uh, inherently wrong with uh, the affection for a man, but I think it has more to do with uh, the just uh, the perversely incestuous uh, type relationship that it would be between these people that are already so close. Right. Keith, uh, I think we're uh, talking uh, way over our heads right now. I, what, why would this episode be any <laughs> different than our first 165? Okay. Anyway, uh, so Kramer is going to go silent. He says that 94% of communication is nonverbal, and he demonstrates that by miming what he told George's parents about this whole situation. Yeah, obviously, if you're going to have anybody on Earth do physical comedy, you're, you can't, you're not going to do much better than Michael Richards. So. Yeah. 
And so he does a good job with uh, trying to mime all this. And then he keeps banging his uh, foot against the table. All right. Elaine has a meeting with the New Yorker to try to get them to explain what's going on here. Uh, They are talking about how, oh, yes, uh, this is a very funny cartoon. But uh, they just keep spinning until uh, Elaine calls the guy out that uh, you have no idea what this means. I like a few things about this. I like the idea that, like, Elaine clearly went around Peterman and thought of this meeting herself, mm-hmm. and which is clearly just set up to get an answer for what does the cartoon mean. But if he said – if he gave her a satisfactory answer right away, she'd be out of there in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny. Also, the idea that the New Yorker has cartoonists on staff full-time. I'm guessing they're all freelance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just uh, a little thing. But, uh, yeah, no, I do I, – I, I like Elaine's hustle here. Especially for a depressed person. Yeah, and this guy is a famous actor, Paul Benedict, who plays this part. Um, he was probably best known uh, for being a wacky neighbor on The Jeffersons. Uh, that's probably uh, his uh, biggest credit. Uh, but he's been in uh, like uh, a bunch of things in the uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah, he's a that guy. He's sure. a that guy. All right, so we go and see Jerry going to go visit Sally and see her one-woman show. And, of course, uh, there's uh, a lot of these that take place in the New York City area. Keith, have you ever attended anything like this? I mean, I've been to small off-Broadway shows. I don't know if I've been to a one-woman show like a or a one-man show. type 20 seat. I've been to room. small theaters yeah. for sure. Like, I feel like Big Lebowski and Shakespeare, that was a really small theater. Like stuff. There's been some weird things, but... I don't know if I've been to any one-person shows. Okay. Um, but I don't think there's ever been a one-person show that started with this many people in the audience. Unless she just has a lot of friends or she paid people to come. She has a lot of friends, potentially. Yeah, she's a real... Um... I mean, she's from Memphis. She's been here for, like, at most a year. Yes, but she's friendly. She has a lot of barbecue sauce. I guess, I guess very friendly. She brought a lot of people barbecue sauce, and now they're paying yeah. her by going She put her. out the welcome I mean, a part of the joke here is, right, that, like, nobody ever wants to go to someone's show. But if you're in the art community... Uh, you know, if you're an improv person or like an aspiring actor on Broadway, you like to. you have to go to like dozens of things. And it's, you know, it, it's it, it sometimes it costs money. Sometimes it's a lot of time. It's very annoying, I'd imagine. That's why, that, by the way, that's why ultimately we're the geniuses for like not having a lot of friends. <laughs> right. And, and doing a activity that causes us to not to go anywhere. And also people know that we don't leave our houses a lot. So I think that's a great precedent to set. Yeah. So Sally's one-woman show is all about Jerry Seinfeld. She calls him the devil and talks about how you stink uh, is what he said to her. You should give up acting. And she uh, is going uh, only on and on about Jerry. Now, Keeve, I would like to explore uh, how did this uh, plot line come to be? In terms of, here's Kathy Griffin. Did they have this part and they thought Kathy Griffin would be good for this? Did they want to bring uh, Kathy Griffin back and wrote this for her? Because uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like that what she's doing here is not dissimilar to Kathy Griffin's actual act. Okay, so here's what happened. Andrew Davis writes in, a few people describe it, but Andrew Davis writes, I'm not sure how well known this is. But Kathy Griffin tells the story of the inspiration for her second appearance on Seinfeld. During her first appearance on the show, Kathy tried to talk to Jerry between filming and to have him sign his autograph for her friends. It was the morning of the Golden Groves and Jerry was in a rush to catch up to wrap the scene and he rudely brushed off Kathy and did not sign anything. At the encouragement of LD, Kathy put this story about how America's beloved comedian was really an a-hole in her act and it was filmed for an HBO special. Then he writes a whole thing about how Jerry saw it and 
thought it was funny and wrote her a thing with a present. Um, but basically, it's it's uh, art imitates life. Yeah, because I mean, this is very much like a Kathy Griffin act. Yes, where most of her, I mean, she doesn't really tell jokes. She right. says, tell stories. You know, she she goes places and she's be like, uh, so can I tell you guys about Christina Aguilera? And then the audience mm-hmm. like goes nuts, and then she tells like a whole story about running into a celebrity or being at an awards show or yeah. you know something. And she also is, she's very prolific. She has like I guess if you don't have to think of jokes, if you just live an interesting life and you could tell stories, it's easier than to be like Louis C.K. and have to think about like a great bit about an airplane or a cell phone or something, uh, right. where maybe you can only do it every two or three years. Because she has, I think she's put out like twenty stand specials or twenty five or something insane. Yeah, I mean, like more than almost any other comedian. They're all just like real life anecdotes uh, that she has, right. and they might be. I apologize to any Kathy Griffin stands out there. A little bit disposable. Yeah, I think that you need new stories and need new gossip and stuff like that. You know, she's a little. I mean, bit- kudos to her for like you know Jerry, who who takes being a comic very seriously, even though he's basically a billionaire now. Uh, you know, doesn't he's coming out with like only his I don't know how many stand up special ever on Netflix soon, like very few. Yeah. Where, you know, she is really producing a lot of content. I mean, again, it's quantity versus quality. Uh, I think it's fair to say what her next special is going to be about. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, I do think that, you know, she was at the front end of uh, something in terms of uh, when she became a household name was that I think she was at the forefront of sort of like the Venn diagram of comedy and gossip. And I think that yes. that was something that had not really been explored. And I think that... You I mean, Joan Rivers. I think Joan Rivers and then her. But I don't think that Joan I, Rivers could... did gossip. I think she might have done like celebrity jokes, but I don't know if she did a, a ton of gossip she, in her stand-up. She dabbled in celebrity stuff, and I really like... I was a much bigger fan of Joan Rivers than I, I would be of Kathy Griffin. Mm-hmm. But I think Joan... Uh, she was in the celebrity world. You know, maybe a little bit of name-dropping, a little bit of... I mean, she did the fashion stuff every year, which, right, she'd talk about how, who was the best dressed on every red carpet. Uh, so I think Kathy Griffin... She may even have said this. Like, that's sort of her... Role model, even though Joan is a, mo- a more classic comedian, obviously, right? Than, than Kathy, and, and I'm sure she was a role model as a female comedian. But sure. I think that yeah, there weren't a lot. I mean, Kathy Griffin's been around for a long time at this point, and, and not to be uh, too much of a historian here, but I think at this time in place, uh, the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, I think that this is a uh, point in our history where. We really want to uh, delve into uh, the gossip, and I think that it's around this time. Like uh, everything post Monica Lewinsky, I think is gets like very tabloidy, and I think that Kathy Griffin's comedy really plays into this. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you what this person is really like. You know, we want to get like really tawdry, and uh, and there aren't a lot. It's like a niche that she sort of made her own. Like there aren't. I can't think of another of like the top fifty or so comics. Who just tells celebrity story? Like you might have a lot of comics have one in their act. Like I met Bill Clinton, and this is what happened. But it's you know it's not anybody's like bread and butter like it is hers. Okay, and so uh, Elaine the next day is talking with Jerry, and uh, he's talking about this uh, show that he went to go see. And uh, Elaine says that she's got to go see this thing. Uh, Jerry says, "Good luck. It's sold out for the next three weeks." Uh, well, Elaine is going to drop her New Yorker credentials that she can submit to the New Yorker anytime she wants a cartoon, Keith. How about that? I mean, 
does does like being a New Yorker cartoonist automatically get you a ticket to a sold out play in the city? <laughs> maybe, maybe you said. I mean, she might say she's reviewing it for the New Yorker. I guess that would for sure get you in. Mm-hmm. So Jerry is uh, mocking Elaine's drawings about how. Uh, what are you going to draw? Your sad little horsies, the house with the smoke. Can you do you have any go to drawings? Oh, I don't know if you know this about me. Like, I, I my handwriting is illegible, let alone drawing. Like, I oh, I think you say that you're I, a I like your doodler. No, no, no. I'm the opposite of a doodler. I, I like you can't read my handwriting. I can't draw like a stick figure person. I'm, I'm in the zeroth percentile of drawers. Like, I wouldn't say my three year old son is better than me, but like when he's five, he'll be better than me. I when I was in art class, when I was a kid, and yeah, like had this mandatory art class when you're like in elementary school. I like they let me like do other stuff. Yeah, you were so bad. Like they let me do math homework because it was so not only that, but our art teacher, I think it was like her name was Mrs. Wiz, maybe? The Wiz. The, Nobody beats the Wiz. Mrs. Wiz. The her her like teacher when she was like a kid growing up, like who taught her how to do art, was my grandfather who was an artist. Okay. So like I was like a legacy failure. You know what I mean? Like she probably walked, came in the first day and thought like this kid is gonna be the stud. Because his grandfather is, like, a great artist, and, like, I literally, like, can't m- make my name legible. Yeah. I used to, like, fail spelling tests sometimes where I'd get all 20 words right because the teacher would be like, no, if I can't see the word, it's, I'm not, I'm, you know, if I can't read the word, I- I'm just going to assume you got it wrong. And I'd be like, no, it's clearly, it says, you know, whatever, and she would say no. Legacy would, fail is big. Leg- I, I mean, it was crazy, like, how bad I am at art. Like, it, literally none of it, he was the most handy guy, and, like, I, you know, I have to, like, call my wife to, like, you know put in a light bulb basically or change a change a tire and and um you know apple fell for very far from the tree it's very sad so jerry is back at monks with sally and he wants to sort of clear the air with her and says hey just so you know uh i'm really sorry about what happened and she seems to uh accept the apology but says that that's snoozers and she needs to have better stuff in her act what snoozers? Like she's sleeping. Yeah, like I, I just I think nobody says snoozers anymore. <laughs> right? It was it was too boring. Right? I don't know if anybody ever said it. Ah, I think it's maybe it's a Kathy Griffin. Line. Yeah, it's like and it's an if you it's an Easter egg. It's in every one for twenty four comedy <laughs> special. So Jerry is also trying to wipe off some schmutz on her uh, sweater. That'll come up in her stand up uh, special later. I love Newman coming over, and he wants her autograph. And he uh, loves her and says he's seen your show six times. Uh, Jerry is not surprised. But this line from Newman is so great that he says, oh, your act is so great. It's so great to see a show that's about something. Yeah, a great line. Um, I get it. Like, they're arch enemies. And then, like, it falls in Newman's lap that someone has a show calling his arch enemy the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. If someone started a show like Alex Chester is like, you know, the world's worst person, I would be there every night. I would get a season ticket. Right. It's great. And of course, I don't know who your arch enemy is, but I'm sure you could, you could identify with it. Uh, certainly. And of course (laughs) that, uh, the show about nothing, uh, that she has a show about something, uh, Newman loves it. So, Keith, we see Kramer get into the cab. He can't talk. He has to uh, get out of the cab. You mentioned in the deleted scenes, there's a couple other things like that where uh, Kramer is in a position where he needs to talk. In the deleted scenes, a woman comes up to him and says about how she would like to date him, but he can't say anything. Yeah. 
the truth is, I think they could have made this into a montage. Mm-hmm. And because that like the scene where he's in Monks and the woman says, say when as she's pouring him coffee, the waitress is pouring him coffee. And he never says when because he can't talk. And she just like keeps pouring the coffee until it's like spilling onto the plate and like onto Kramer. He's funny. Yeah. Um, so that should have been the episode, but they're already long. This is one of the longest, like 30 minute episodes. It's like 23 minutes and 40 seconds already. Okay. So they, they didn't have any time to play with, but, uh, if they wanted to supersize it, the deleted scenes in this episode are actually pretty good. So George is with Janet and, uh, they're talking and he's, uh, you know, uh, in his head talking a bit through about how she doesn't look like Jerry. She doesn't look like anybody. He's really talking to himself about how she doesn't look like Jerry. She doesn't look like anybody. And then uh, we see Janet herself say, you know, I really do look like your friend Jerry. Yeah, it's uh, the, you know, the monologue and she must have heard him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, well, in the monologue, he's also talking about how that what does it mean if she looks like Jerry? That I could have everything I have with Jerry, but because it's a woman, I could also have sex with her. And that that somehow would be exactly what I always wanted. I mean, isn't that isn't that what we want, though? Hmm. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this many times where people many have times. the, yes. um, uh, you know, I'm in love with my best friend or I'm married to my best friend. Right. And or we're not we're married to someone who we're not really friends with. Right. <laughs> right. That <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself, Keeve. Well, I just meant the royal we, yes. not like both. Yes. Just the idea of like someone is married to someone who's not their friend. Right, right. What what must that be like? That uh, you know, you can't even imagine. But again, I also think like, listen, I know I know guys who are like, oh, I wish my wife would watch football with me every Sunday. You don't. And those are the guys who can't. You don't because those are the guys who can't come watch football because their wife is like, no, I'm not watching football here by myself. You got to stay and watch with me, and we can't go because then we have to hire a babysitter seventeen Sundays in a row. And so my wife doesn't know what football is, and it's great. Yeah, I, I got into a uh, a big fight with my wife, and I'm not sure if this is a, a story I told uh, a long time ago, but I had said to my wife that, you know, I, I'm so happy that we have kids because that I, I feel like at least now we have a mutual interest that we both really like our kids. <laughs> and she got very angry with me about that. I thought I was saying something nice. Right. Right. You should I think you just said it said another mutual interest. Then it would have sounded sweeter. Yeah. No. When you say a mutual interest, it makes it sound like we have zero, which even though if that's true, she doesn't want to hear she that. She didn't want to hear it. No. Uh yeah, she got really mad. Anyway, so uh we see there is a channel nine feature on Sally's show. She's really starting to get a lot of media coverage. Great publicist. I mean th- I can't even like think of something like this, even in the internet era where things can explode. Like, I can't even imagine there was, like, a Vine star that blew up this quickly, you know? Yeah, it's like a viral video. I don't know why Channel 9, WWOR, yeah. has a live cut-in to yeah. the uh, the one-woman show that right. Sally I remember Weaver a lot doing. of, like, Sister, Sister, and Moesha. <laughs> like, some good stuff on UPN. Some I don't games. remember. Yeah. Yeah, some, some uh, no, Yankee games on, on UPN. Well, it switched. On it switched at one point. Oh, you're right. At one point, it was Mets on, on 9. But I, at last I checked, I think Mets were on PIX and, yeah. and Yankees were on UPN. Um, but the, although now I think they own their own channels. There's very few. Yeah, I hope they didn't preempt the, the Richard Bay show either for this. That's right. But I think also, like, I, I don't remember a single time, like, we, you know, there's no Martin right now because we need to show you 
uh, a you know an off Broadway live like live off Broadway from the show that's been going on two weeks, and also like nothing on Broadway's ever taped like that because then no one will go if they show it on TV once. Right. Let's go out live to Kitey Tong, who's at the <laughs> Sally Weaver one woman show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jerry's barely famous enough to, like, have this be, like, even though, oh, it's about Jerry. Like, this is insane. How f- And we don't, the timeline here, people did write in and ask, but I, I we just no way of knowing, really, mm-hmm. how long Kramer's not talking for, how long, you know, like, between all these shows. It's not, it's not clear, but, and she's, like, updating her act. It's crazy. Like, there's a lot of weird things about the Kathy Griffin storyline. Yeah. Keith, can I just uh, go back to Kaidi Tong for one minute? Uh, that uh, You go back to Kaidi Tong all day. Okay. So, that... In the New York media market, I'm not sure if this is the same in all media markets, but there is a real, like, uh, musical chairs in terms of the local anchors, in terms of, like, Mm -hmm. it's like some sort of, like, weird fantasy uh, league where there's only, like, 20 people who can be news anchors, and they just get, like, dropped and picked up by the other networks, like, all the time. Well, the thing in New York also is the way it works is in in uh, more than anything else, like New York is number one because more people watch the New York local news than anything else. So it literally goes by region. So New York is one, L.A. is two, like San Francisco or Houston or wherever is three, and Chicago is three, and then San Francisco is probably four. Like it, and like you're in, like, hey, I'm in the 78 market. I'm in the number 100, 125 market. And if you're good, you keep getting promoted and you go from like Columbus to Cleveland to – you know, to to Dallas, to L.A., and then eventually, like, the golden ticket is to New York. But, right, once they're there, it's like every single person in the country who's behind a desk wants to work in New York. That's probably why it's like, you know, there's a lot of, like, movement. And stuff. There's a lot of churn between all the local yeah. news. Yes. Okay. Because there's nowhere else Ka- to but go. Kaidi Tong is still going. She's though. still going? Where is she now? Uh, also, Brenda Blackman. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, um, we could... it said in January 2016, she returned to PIX weekdays, but the newscast was canceled and now she's back on weekends. OK, there you go. Uh, There's a ton of those uh, New York anchors. We could lose every every one of our listeners right now talking about this anymore. More. Oh, no, we lost. Yeah. They're gone. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Two minutes into the Kaidi Tong talk. <laughs> Everyone is like every, every I think every city has like their legendary anchors. I don't think that's her. Like, I don't who's the New York one, like Rosanna Scotto or whatever. What about Chuck Scarborough? Chuck Scarborough, but didn't he become national? Did he? I don't know. I think that's another New York thing. If you're good in New York, then you go to like the Today Show or something. Then you get yeah, the national. Like Matt Lauer. I, I used to watch him uh, host uh, Today AM uh, before I was going to high school. Uh, Keeve, uh, number of mm. followers on Twitter for Kaidi Tong. Ooh, I, I, she may have missed the Twitter age, which always makes me sad. I, I do get a lot of emails like, Oh, this per you know, when we mention like famous people without a lot of followers. But I, I do think it's like running up the score on them. It's mean. Uh you, you said it in a way I'm gonna say very few. Two thousand four hundred eleven. No, higher. Uh seventy six oh seven for PIX's news, Kaidi Tong. Is she verified? She is. All right, good for Kaidi. Good for Kaidi Tong. Seinfeld fan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. So Elaine has been up all night. She comes in. Uh, this must be the morning news where they have this clip from Sally's one-woman show. And Elaine's got it. And uh, this is uh, the cartoon that she has. It's a pig at the complaint window. I wish I was taller. Yeah. See, this is funny. The, the first one was hard to relate to. But this, I feel like, there's a you lot like of this one. can come out of this. Yeah, I like it. I don't love the cartoon. I'm not saying this is hilarious. I think, like, the options for captions here are really endless. Okay. 
Jerry prefers, hey, I can't find my receipt. My place is a sty. Elaine doesn't like it because it's too jokey. Right. It, uh, usually it's more of a thinker, the New York one, right? That's a straight comedian's joke. But I do think that's funny. I think, like, for Jerry, the person in the show, the fake person, like, to come up with that on the spot is a great line. Can I also add, and uh, I hope that this doesn't color my character too much, I always thought that uh, good cartoons in Playboy. I think that's very underrated for the I didn't even know department. they had cartoons. Yeah, well, you're too busy looking for the pornography. I'm busy reading the articles oh, and the please. comics. I never had... I, I never... Do you ever have this in school where, like, where you were, like, young and, like, the kid who was a little bit of a punk, like, comes in and he's like, hey, do you want to see my knapsack? Yeah. And, like, he has like a dirty magazine, and it's like, hey, we're like too young for this. Why are you? Why are you interested? <laughs> I don't think that, that ever happened. No. Nobody confided. Yeah, in kick me. him over. I'm like, I don't even like girls yet. Why are you showing me this? Like, I yeah. feel like I'm going to be expelled just for seeing. This. Yeah, I, I don't even think I just saw like, an actual uh, Playboy magazine until I was in college. I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I mean, that guy, that guy had one in a wrapper, but I don't think I've ever actually. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, hey, there's no parents. Not going to happen now. You just have it out on a coffee table. My mom always, my mom's still like this year, she like, we get Sports Illustrated delivered and she is an anti-hoarder. So she throws everything out right away. So she'll like send my Sports Illustrated. It's like 6,000 miles by like FedEx just to get them out of her house mm-hmm. sometimes. But she like brought like a, an issue in February or whatever. She's like, oh, but I threw out the, uh, he's like, sorry, Kiwi, threw out the, uh, <laughs> the, the swimsuit issue. Sorry. <laughs> so- still throwing out the swimsuit issues. Yeah. And, and by the way, I should have been like, don't worry, the internet exists. <laughs> all right uh jerry gets annoyed at elaine calling his caption too jokey and he says uh i've got a complaint this cartoon stinks yeah um the, I, I mean i love kramer's also mm-hmm. yeah kramer writes down on the cartoon that the pig says uh, my wife is a slut <laughs> it's a hole in kramer's storyline because he should just go around writing stuff down if that's if he's able to do that mm-hmm. well elaine right? i think had the pencil I understand, but like at this point, he should be going around now, and I don't know where the deleted scenes happen in the canon of like this episode. But like, w- like when the pretty girl comes over to him, or when he's on the phone. Well, I guess he's on the phone. There's nothing he could do. But like when the pretty girl comes over to him, he should just be writing. Mm-hmm. Also, Elaine mentions the fact that Newman claims that Sally uh, alleges that Jerry was trying to grope her, uh, and uh, that she's talking about that in her act. Right, and really he was just brushing off schmutz, and I think she knows that, but she's a cheat. Yeah, okay. So Jerry says he's calling in his big guns. Uh, We then go back to Jerry watching Sally from a TV in her apartment. She apparently has a cable special at this point, and she's reading out the... (laughs) <laughs> the note uh, from Jerry's lawyer, uh, very similar to how the uh, James and Natalie from Big Brother saga played out on Twitter a couple of months ago. Did she? Did he send it to her place of Zen, which was thousands of miles from where his child lives? <laughs> Do you believe this? Jerry Seinfeld sent this letter to my place of Zen. This is cease and desist. <laughs> this is not even a real lawyer. Did she, did she reveal his address by by showing it uh, like right up to the screen? <laughs> I apologize to the uh, most or some people. Who don't know we're no, if, if you know what we're talking about, it was worth it. All right, so Jerry's not giving um, her anything now. Yes, yeah, someone wrote in and asked uh, why don't why isn't why don't they get a free Jackie Childs reference here without showing him? Mm, yeah. I don't know if Jackie Childs works for Jerry. I feel like he only works with Kramer. I know, but I think it's a good callback. The issue here's my issue. Like this is more of a Spike Ferrison question, but like 
if you use like we got Peterman here for two seconds in this episode and it's like, well, Peterman is probably making X amount of money. So if you get him for one scene, or you get him for five scenes. It's probably the same amount, I'd assume. Right. I don't um, think it's a, bu- but with- a budget issue because they've said that, you know, budget is uh, unlimited at first. Yeah, but it's also like- an avail issue. Like, Phil Mars right. might have been working elsewhere. But, so that's the thing. Um, so if. But I do wonder, like, bringing in a character without showing him, I wonder if that would annoy the agent or annoy the actor. Ever, you know what I mean? I think it would annoy it's the like audience. You're being cheap. I, I think that if you, you think so? mention Jackie Childs and then Jackie Childs okay. never shows up. I think it's a little bit of a red herring. Right. Because George can mention his parents, obviously, without them showing up. Right. His parents. Right. I hear what you're saying. All right. That's okay. You've, you've assuaged my concerns. Yeah. We're good. Okay. So uh, Elaine is in her office, and she's uh, now hanging up the cartoon on her wall. In one of the deleted scenes, uh, we see Elaine's coworker hung up the original cartoon on his wall. So I think that this is a countermeasure. And uh, she's trying to show it off, and um, the guy, her coworker doesn't really like it, but Peterman loves it. He thinks it's very funny. Yeah, there's a lot of hanging cartoons on doors. I also don't think that exists in the internet. No, I don't think so. And then Peterman, who is a bit of a Ziggy stan, says that uh, he would recognize that comic anywhere. That's a Ziggy. First of all, he's not a Ziggy stan. He has an archive of Ziggy's. He's like a Ziggy super fan. (laughs) Yeah. So what is better than a Ziggy stan? I think super fan beats stan. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. I think like I'm a Rihanna stan just means I like her more than Beyonce. And maybe my I mean, maybe I mean, super fan, like if my Twitter profile is about, you know, Queen Riri 42 or something like that. I don't I don't know. Like we need we need we need someone who like a millennial. Where's Max the millennial? We haven't heard from him in a while. Like we what is what what beats what the stan beats super fan? Yeah, I think stan beats super fan. You think stan beats super like there's something bigger than super fan. Yeah, I think Stan is the biggest. No, I think like the biggest is if you're like Giovanni to Adam Carolla. If you're like the number one guy. Yeah, but that, that has to be what's that? What that's like you remember the show on MTV? I don't remember the name, where like the the celebrities used to go meet their number one fan. Mm, vaguely. No? Vaguely. It was like a show on MTV for a few years. I, I don't remember the name, but like Ben Folds would like go to this guy's house and he'd be like, Hey, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got nothing. I don't remember the name of that show. Uh, so the other funny thing going on in this scene, Keeve, is that uh, Peterman has another flat tire, and Elaine is responsible for fixing Peterman's flat tires. It really is just sort of uh, thrown in there. It's not really explained about why does Elaine have to do this for Mr. Peterman? Why is Mr. Peterman getting so many flat tires? But Elaine is yeah. like, like you know, it's like no big deal. She's like the number two at the whole company, but she has to change the number one's flat tire. Yeah, and you see her getting like a tire iron out. Yeah, The show is called Fanatic, capital F-A-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had three seasons. The Ben Folds five episode, I remember correctly, I believe because the, the guy who was the big Ben Folds fan was, uh, uh, Orthodox like myself. Uh, it also had Oscar De La Hoya and Korn. So would you rather see that episode or a couple episodes earlier, which had next, which I think we mentioned last week and Richard Simmons. Uh, the, the Richard Simmons one. I mean, you can make a podcast. We got to find out where he is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That'd be good. All right. Oh, it had five seasons. Wow. Wow. F- series finale, Sarah Michelle Geller and Eve. All right. There you go. Um, so we ended up then uh, with uh, George and Janet in the restaurants, and they're talking about how it's not about looks, this relationship. It's about something, and they agree that this is a relationship about gum. 
I mean, this is a, a I understand what he's trying to do, but it's a stretch that just is to me is a total strikeout. It's a golden sombrero. It's over four, four strikeouts. We're living in this it. universe where Jerry and George have a different girlfriend every single week. Uh, again, no reason why George doesn't just break it off with her unless he is. I could understand if George is really considering and pontificating what he was thinking about in his inner monologue where it's like, hey, should I do this? Because maybe this could be exactly what I'm looking for or this is too weird. I should get rid of her. But that doesn't seem to be what he's thinking. He's sort of saying like, no, this would be great if she didn't look like Jerry. She doesn't look like Jerry. I need to stop thinking she looks like Jerry. I'm not sure why. Right. I feel like that if he can sort of like talk himself into, but she doesn't act like Jerry. So it really would just be, you would be with a woman who looked like Jerry, but was nothing like Jerry. It's really right. no, the worst no ma- of both yeah. worlds. Yes, correct. You know, it, it, Nothing in common, and you don't really think that they're attractive. If this was like, if he was, uh, we brought Janine Garofalo back, and then it could be, oh, this is just like I'm hanging out with Jerry, and I'm having sex with this person. It seems like that that is what he's looking for. This woman is nothing like Jerry, and she looks like Jerry. Mm-hmm. So, not good, not good. He should just break it off with her. So, uh, Janet ends up getting gum in her hair. I'm not sure how this happened, Keith. Uh, it happens in the deleted scene, uh, but again, uh, yeah, I agree. She's just chewing gum and it gets in her hair. She says it, but we don't we don't see it or understand. Why. In the deleted scene, when she gets the gum in her hair, I believe it looks like that they're at George's apartment when that happens. Did she get the gum in her hair? Went to dinner, then came home and cut her hair. I'm not sure. It's okay. a good question, but I, I I don't know. I don't know how we would know. She does not get the gum in her hair in the restaurant. No, well, she, I don't. She's not chewing gum in the restaurant, is she? No, she's always chewing gum. She's all even while she's eating. She's chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to Sally, uh, that uh, we see her with Kramer, and because Jerry isn't giving anything to Sally anymore, she is trying to uh, work on Kramer, uh, and he finally blurts out, "Okay, you shut up. I'm sorry. I haven't spoken in days." And she says, lay it on me, String Bean. And so she gets a bunch of new info about Jerry Seinfeld. Um, the, I, first of all, like, it's the whole Sally thing where every time we see her, she's, like, doing another act. Like, when you have a one-woman show, you do it, like, hundreds of times. She's just, like, updating it. It's almost, it, you know, there's no, like, equivalent for it in any performance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, she, like, every day I'm coming out and just saying, like, what's happening next. Yeah. She's a podcaster at this point. Exactly. She is a on the screen podcaster. <laughs> she invented that. So good for Sally. Uh, so you, th- you think Sally should sue the patent trolls? Because this is before they had the patent for the podcast. So the patent really has to do with the delivery mechanism. If Channel 9 uh, comes out and films every one of uh, her po- her shows, I don't know if that's necessarily a podcast. Could you imagine if like Channel, the fake UPN, like they actually had the patent and then they charge everyone for a podcast and they become billionaires? And now, like, Game of Thrones is on, is on like, Channel 9 well, again? Well, that's what the, you know, when there was a podcast troll, uh, when they were trying to, like, um, they, there was, a, like, a patent troll that was trying to uh, sue podcasters a couple of years ago. That's sort of, like, uh, similar to that. Right. I hear you. Okay. So we go back to Janet and George, and uh, she's in the bathroom, 
and she comes out and she had to cut her hair and she comes out with a Jerry inspired hairstyle and a denim shirt like Jerry would wear. Yeah, uh, the the makeup team or whoever, wherever, you know, uh, wardrobe did a very good job of making her look like Jerry here. Yeah. George runs out. Now, is this George's apartment? Uh, I wrote question mark in my notes. I think it's Janet's place. It looks, it lo- I, you know, I only paid attention for a half second, but yeah. I think it's Janet's All place. the apartments look the same that aren't Jerry's apartment. Yeah. yeah they uh, might all be the same, just dressed differently. It's a funny moment, certainly. Um, I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's still, it, it still uh, hits. Uh, we agree. Yeah. So going back to Jerry's house uh, the next day, uh, Jerry is talking with Elaine about how she ripped off a Ziggy. Uh, Putty has Ziggy bed sheets. Yeah, it's funny. But again, this is almost like backhanded. Like there could have been a better way of figuring this out that she ripped it off. Yeah. I like that Jerry points out that Ziggy is back at the complaint department saying the New Yorker is stealing my ideas. Yeah. No, well, that's, I think, what their actual, like, next day cartoon was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think it's Jerry's joke, right? He's reading the paper. He liked it. He, li- he, he liked it. That's what I'm saying. It's a good line. C- yeah. Congrats to Ziggy. Okay. So uh, Sally's uh, cable special is back on, and Jerry is very proud of himself that he's given her no new material, but... She is able to talk about how that Jerry Seinfeld makes his friend date a woman who looks exactly like him. Hello, issues. I do like this is the world according to Kramer, because obviously mm-hmm. it's not exactly accurate, but this is like how Kramer sees what's right. going on. And also, guess who got a no-polish manicure and begged his neighbor not to tell anybody? See, this is funny because it's a reveal to the audience also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's unlike usually what Seinfeld does, but they're like letting you him in on his, us in a secret that we didn't know. Right. And then that's the last part of the proper episode. Again, right. I think it's kind of a soft ending for all of this. Yeah. That, no, the ending here is not good. I, you know, some people would argue the beginning is not good, but definitely the ending doesn't land. <laughs> okay. Uh, we see Jerry and George in the tag back at Monk's talking about how George broke up with her because of the haircut. And uh, George mentions how they're never going to speak of this again. And uh, George is going to take a few days off. Yeah, I would have cut the scene and put in the montage of Kramer uh, not being able to talk and running to the pretty girl and, and being in monks and not being able to tell the waitress to stop pouring the coffee. Yeah, I mean, it's funny-ish, uh, all of this stuff uh, with uh, Jerry and George trying to deal with uh, the fact that George dated this woman who looks like Jerry. But what are you going to do? All right, Keith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the cartoon. Overall, I think that this is a uh, a, a fun one. There's uh, some good stuff here. I just think that they did not have an ending for the Kathy Griffin storyline. Mm-hmm. How about this? Do you want to go? Okay. St- yeah. Here's where, uh, let me pitch you on this ending. So okay. Kathy Griffin, uh, Sally, she just keeps, like, her act just keeps getting bigger and bigger. She becomes more and more famous that she's going to be on the cover of a magazine, and she ends up holding up a disembodied Jerry Seinfeld bloody head. I mean, it would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And then everybody turns on her and says, hey, that was too far, Sally. And she's yeah, that's like a Seinfeld 2000 thing, but I, I think it's brilliant. 
Yes, uh, the, we'll go full circle with uh, all of art imitating life. I also like the, the and, you know, it was one on of the, the cover of the New Yorker, and then the New Yorker yes. gets well, I thought shut that's where down. you're going. Yeah, that's where you're going. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Elaine has no job anymore. She's got to <laughs> roll back to Peter. And I think I think we nailed it. But oh, unfortunately, this is hundred times better than the real thing. This is hundred times better, but we're also like <laughs> acknowledging like we have knowledge of the future. Right. The interesting thing about the Kathy Griffin story. Is like sometimes political things, like I know you get antsy or whatever, but like her approval rating after this was literally zero percent. So like neither Republicans or Democrats would have any problem with what we're saying. Like she has no approval rating right now. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this is we're talking about something that happened. This is not a, uh, a no. I know. I'm not. Opinion. I'm not saying anybody's going to be offended. I just like in general, Kathy Griffin has reached this rarefied air where everyone was rooting. I mean, now I think people have gone back to not caring about her, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, yeah. She's certainly out of the news cycle. Uh, you know, the problem was she just kept going, and, like, now, if she does nothing, says nothing for a year, comes back with a Netflix special or an HBO special, this is what happened, I made a mistake, but, you know, I, 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 something was going on, and I, you know, I, my judgment was clouded. Like, she'll be right back to wherever she was. You just have to, like, right. go away for a year or two. She needs to, yeah, go away and come back with the, hey, I ran into Christina Aguilera comedy special. Well, no, she's got to mention this, though. She can save it for the end, but you can't. It's not. It's a joke if, if she doesn't mention the whole, like, the thing she's most famous for. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, uh, we'll let that her being said, the, the guy who, the eponymous, you know, Jerry Seinfeld of, of this podcast, doesn't mention the fact that he's like a billionaire who made the most famous TV show ever in his act at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it just doesn't come up. So maybe she won't do it. Maybe she'll be like Jerry, the role model. Yeah, I think she needs to get away from it. I think she needs just a clean break. And then eventually one day she can get back to it. But there you go, Keith. All right, let's break down uh, the storylines here for this episode. All right, uh, Jerry, uh, that he is dealing with uh, Sally and her act. What do you think of this? Uh, you know, I- I th- remember thinking when it aired the first time it was too negative. It was a little bit too like, you know, it's fine that our guys always, you know, the good guys or really the bad guys, but like the core four always lose. But I just found Kathy Griffin so unlikable last time and this time. So because I'm not a Kathy Griffin fan or Stan, I give it a C plus. Yeah, I'll give it a B minus. I'm right around that ballpark uh, with you. There are some fun moments along the way. But again, to me, it is a story without an ending. It's a beginning and a middle. And then the ending that we get is that she ran into Kramer and Kramer gave her a bunch of material. Right. It's just ongoing. It doesn't end. It doesn't, you know, have a crescendo. Like, it just still goes. Right. So there's just a woman who's doing stand-up specials forever about how Jerry mm-hmm. sucks. Why did this catch on? I mean, do, are there that many people that hate Jerry Seinfeld in I don't the world? think so. It, does, it doesn't mean, really make sense, yeah. It's something gets lost in the translation between Kathy Griffin was out in real life talking about the real Jerry Seinfeld, who's a mega celebrity with the number one show on television, and then Jerry Seinfeld, who is the struggling comedian here in this Seinfeld universe. So... Uh, loses a little something for me here with this story. Okay, so, Keeve, what about George dates the woman who looks like Jerry? You know, she doesn't have a lot going on, similar to She's a lot of girlfriends or boyfriends. She's not great. Act, she doesn't really have a take. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Janet fan. Did she do Sorry. anything else after this? Um, I think she quit acting for a little while at some point, but, yeah, she's back in acting now. Okay. Um, I, I, I think she was in, like, there was some, I think there was, like, a league of her, their own TV show, and then she was on that. Hmm, Um. Yeah. Anyway, that's pre-Seinfeld. Uh, yes, I don't love it. I, the gum thing is useless to me, so I'm giving this a C. 
Yeah, I like the reveal. I think that's a funny moment. Uh, yeah, no, that is a good. That is a good moment. George running out. I'll, I'll give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. I think they nailed the casting with her. She just wasn't uh, great in anything that she said or did, other than uh, looking like Jerry. So uh, it's a funny moment. Um, what about Elaine in the New Yorker cartoon? Yeah, I think on paper I could see why when they're when they're writing this down in the writers' room. Um, this works, but I just don't think it translated great to paper. Uh, you know, even like Peterman comes in and he likes it and it doesn't really do anything for me. Like the funniest thing, I don't know, like uh, Peterman telling her to change a tire. I, it's just an F to me. So I'm giving this a C also. Yeah, I will give it a B minus just mostly based on the strength of her in the first scene in Monks when uh, she's just really depressed about everything. I I like that uh, where it started and at least this was something to get her into. So I'll give it a uh, B minus. And then what about Kramer and not talking? Yeah, I mean, Kramer is a snitch or as as the guy who's sort of not on the, you know, the guy's team that he's, you know, go, running around telling everyone that they're, you know, that, that Janet looks like Jerry and, and then spilling the beans at the end is fine. He does a great job. Michael Richards, I give an A plus to here, but Kramer's storyline is just a B to me. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it a B minus again. Uh, there's not really an ending to it, but I especially like the throwback in the beginning to uh, some classic Kramer. So overall, Keeve, the cartoon, where yeah. does this land for you? I'll say uh, just inside the top 100. I'll say it's at 91. No, I think you're more uh, positive about this episode than I am. I didn't give any storyline even a B plus, which hasn't happened in many seasons. So I have the cartoon all the way down at 129. 129. Okay. Wow. I was we haven't been in the 100s in a while, but uh, we will be there a few more times before the series is over. Yeah. By the way, Rob, this is the start of the back nine of season nine. Okay. Wow. Right? We're, we're in the final 12, um, which means like if this was a golf course, we're on the 18th hole. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right? Back nine season nine. Although in that theory, the first, the first season, which was like the first hole or the first two holes, we're both like mini golf. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a warm up. Okay, so uh, we will uh, get out our titleists uh, to get ready for the home hey, stretch. Hey, no free ads. They, they, if they titleists want to sponsor us, fine. If not, we'll get out our Nikes, which are you know don't exist anymore. So okay. we use them. Pull them out of our blowholes. Okay, Kiva, uh, let's talk about the cartoon mailbag. Of course, uh, here we are on the final hole of Seinfeld. Getting into our mailbag, SeinfeldAppostShowRecaps.com. Johnny DeSavera says, what's the longest you two could go without talking? I could probably go a week tops. And that's Johnny talking, not Rob talking. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Like, if we had a contest, Whoa. who would go the longest without talking? Oh. We, we never had the contest who could go the longest without leaving their house. Oh. That would have been fun. Okay. Um, in the summer, it would actually be nice. I would like to go the longest without leaving my house. It's so hot outside. Yeah. Um, it's all, I, I think you'd accidentally talk. First of all, what about talking in your sleep? Hmm. Does that count? I don't think that I counts. don't do that much, do you? Well, you don't know if you do that that much because my you wife would have someone me. who's awake to tell you. Yeah. My Oh, yeah, my daughter talks in her sleep a lot. It's, like, scary. Yeah. You walk by and you're like... And what's even worse is when she's not talking in her sleep, she's actually asking for water. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your kids are old enough, but, like, yeah. kids always want water when they're about to go to sleep or yeah. when they're sleeping. They don't want well, the whole day. They don't drink a thing. Without like, when they're asleep, it's like, go get me five glasses of water. Right. Um, so I, I want to say I could go 24 hours that talking easily. I think I have. Mm-hmm. There have been times where like my wife was in Florida and I just like stayed home. Maybe I maybe I like spoke to the delivery person to bring food or like went to a restaurant to order something. 
But that's literally the only time I spoke. So I, I could go two days, I think. How long could you go? Without talking? Yeah. I mean, I could go as like, are there people around? Yeah, you live your normal day-to-day life. But they, they're allowed to know that you can't talk. Yeah. If uh, you said I have a bet for $100,000, so, like, you have to be on my side, to, you know, like, to your wife and kids. And, like, they... Well, they like are on on board. My kids are too small grand. because I, I need to. Yeah, I know. Yell, I know. I know. Uh, like, or, it would be mean. It would listen. be mean. You'd have to send them yeah. away to like a babysitter. Like I need to say, like, you know, stop jumping on the couch. Stop jump. You know, it's like you need to say that for one hundred thousand dollars. You could get a new couch. I, I guess so. But when the kid cracks his head open, uh, that okay. Right, right, right. Well, listen. Know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'd have to make up a rule book. Stop like, it. Med- stop it. Get down from there. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's what I'm talking about. The first uh, three hours I'm awake in the morning, so mm-hmm. uh, it would be d- very difficult. Yeah, it would be hard. My wife would be thrilled. She would not want to talk to me. Right? She might make the bet for me. She might be like, mm-hmm. "I'll bet her that you can't talk," and then she's w- winner either way. Yeah. Okay. What about Lindsay? She wants to know if we've ever had a situation like Jerry's where you told something someone in confidence and then they repeated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't think of like one real home run off the top of my head, but I mean, obviously it's happened a lot of times. Oh yeah. It's you know what it is? There's happened. a certain type of person that burns you like 20 times with like minor things. And I just think that's the type of person that doesn't like believe in like secrets or whatever. Like, Oh, what do you care? Mm-hmm. And, and then it's just like, you just have to learn to stop telling that person like personal stuff or secrets. Right. And then also I can think of like five people in my life. that are like, Oh yeah, I know like, Ooh, I would love to tell them that, but I know they can't keep it in. Yeah, and uh, you have to also watch this with like uh, little kids also. Cause oh, they well, they, they think it's funny. I mean, if your older son is like four, uh, you know, he'll think it's funny to tell a secret. Like if you say, don't tell, you know, don't right. tell mom. Don't tell like, mom I, bought her a, I bought her a birthday present and it's over here. Yeah. The second she walks in, she's finding out. But what I did with my three-year-old son, because he would always blab immediately and be, you know, in hysterics about it. Is I say like, you know, no TV. Like I'll tell him like the thing because he'll like, hey, what's that? Like, oh, but if you tell mom, like, no TV tomorrow or whatever, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he he went over to my wife and he's like, Daddy has a secret, but I'm not allowed to tell you. Yeah. Okay. So, like, but he didn't tell. He wouldn't tell her. She couldn't squeeze it out of him. But she, he did like spill the beans that I had a secret. Okay. Um, Lindsay also is asking us to rank the three pig complaints. In terms of funniness, I think Jerry Elaine Kramer is the clear one, two, three. That you put Elaine ahead of Kramer? Yeah, what's his, like, the slut thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get I, that's funny. It's hey, funny because it's, like, written on a paper. If it was in the Playboy, that, that would have killed. Right, that might be the audience. Yeah, no, but Jerry's clearly one. If you want to go with Jerry Kramer Elaine, that's not insane. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what about Craig from Vancouver? Uh, what would either what would we have the pig saying in the cartoon? Craig from Vancouver's idea is I had to hoof it all the way here with the teller saying, hey, it's no skin off my back. That's the best you could come up with on the spot. Yeah. Do you have it? Do you have a, a joke? I didn't, Why did the I, other you know, pig I, have I, to say it's no skin off my back? I don't know. Maybe he's an animal, too. I don't know. He said it's the best he'd come up with on the spot. OK. Um, what should the one pig say to the other in the complaint department? Uh, I don't know. What do you, you got? Anything? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's not easy. It's not easy. You really put no, yourself no, no. in the I, corner like, with I, the pig in the complaints. Yeah, department. had I like seen, had I really like read the, I like cut and paste it, but I had I really read this email, like I would have thought of something earlier. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he would say, like this isn't kosher when he's talking about like, the thing <laughs> being too low. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, Giovanni, is this a Giovanni super fan? Uh, Adam Carolla. 
No, it's not okay. uh, Giovanni from Adam Carolla. Okay. Uh, is there a cartoon show you would want to recap episode by episode and post your recaps? I would recommend BoJack Horseman and Avatar The Last Airbender. Right. I guess because the episode is called The Cartoon. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that's the question. I'm not sure if Giovanni watched this episode before writing in it because it's not really – unless it's about last week's episode. Um, but I, the only thing that made me think is I, I don't think Rob and I are getting back into the uh, you know 8 million episode recap mm-hmm. again. But I was thinking, like, what's one? What would be one of the better episodes? Like, if we had a gun to our one of the one of the better TV shows to do, I do think like it would be fun if somebody went back to every South Park episode. I feel like there would be a lot. Oh of Oh my God, Keith! I mean, could you pick a show what? that's been on for less than twenty years? No, I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying, like, if someone said, "Hey, I want a podcast. What should I podcast about?" Um, that would be something. Uh, that I would, I would, uh, you know, like that would be one of the show. If someone said I want to do an episode by episode recap, what should I do? That would be on the top five of my list. You know, you don't think that's you think that's crazy? I think it'd be a little crazy. It's just so. Well, many Bojack episodes. would be good because there's only like thirty something episodes. Yeah, that's so he the, mentioned Bojack, the most appealing. And part I like that. that. I just watched Bojack. Speaking of episode by episode recaps, uh, a listener to the podcast, Eric Raskin, who is also a ESPN and Grantland writer, mm-hmm. started his own episode by episode recap of uh, of Breaking Bad this week. And in the first minute, he he said his inspiration for starting was this show. Oh wow, yeah. And he what he's saying that on Twitter. How did you know? Well, I I listened to the first few minutes. I, I oh, I'm not like in chair? Breaking Bad mode right now. Yeah, but I did. I I, I checked it out, and uh, and um, he mentioned that. I'm like, it's always weird when you hear yourself mentioned on a show that you're that you're like not part of. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because wow. you're just like consuming media. It's like if your name was just mentioned on television. No, it'll I'm sure freak it you out, like, right? Yeah, I mean, it happens like, I don't know, you talk about me a lot. It happens a lot. No, but like, th- like if you're like Justin Bieber, I'm sure it happens every day, right? LeBron James says, On like, this he can only watch the cartoon. Yeah, he can only watch, like, the Cartoon Network because, like, he, he, it's awkward for him to, like, hear his name, especially in a season where he doesn't win the championship. He'll, like, basically, like, block ESPN and any channel that would mention him and just watch, like, cartoons or something. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get it. Okay. Anyway, Maybe, best of luck to uh, Eric. I mean, could we get LeBron on the South Park uh, rewatch? You think LeBron's a big South Park guy? Probably I mean, he's not. of the right age, right? He's just about my age. He's, he, you know, he, he he probably grew up with South Park. I don't I don't know if you're getting LeBron on a podcast though. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's look into it. Okay. LeBron went on. Uh, he was on a, a that Richard like there's two Cavs players that have a podcast on a plane that's not good. Hmm. Yeah. I don't want to start. I don't want to start a flame war with uh, <laughs> Richard Jefferson's podcast. But. Yeah. We'll have Corinne come at us. Yes. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's on a plane, so sometimes it's hard to hear. And they have a host that's there for no reason. Okay. He's, he's there to work the board, probably. No, she. Like, she, I don't know. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. Mike C. says, between calling out Sally and Janet, is this the least bro we've ever seen, Kramer? We've said this many times. Kramer is not a bro. Yeah, no. He, Mike, I, I think he knows that. And he's saying, is this the least? Because we know, like, Kramer has t- at least 20 instances of, like, breaking the bro code, quote-unquote. Like, this is pretty bad. I think this might be the worst because it leads to like public television, national TV humiliation for Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, uh, Mike adds in, I've heard that Rob is supposedly Adam Sandler's doppelganger, but have either of you ever run into someone of the opposite sex that looks like you? I would feel very bad for that person. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> The fat balding one. <laughs> I have not heard about uh, this is a woman that looks exactly like you, Rob. I've not gotten No, that I've yet. never heard that. But do you get Adam Sandler a lot? I've never heard that before. Uh, I got it when I was younger. I told the story recently on one of the patron casts about how I was at Universal mm. last year, and a guy came up to me, and he was like, hey, I know who you are. Don't worry. I won't say anything. 
I was like, oh, okay. And I thought he was like had listened to the podcast or something like that. And he's right. like, uh, you really could be Adam Sandler's brother. I was like, oh. And then we got like the whole line of Wait, So who do you think you were? Adam Sandler's brother or Adam Sandler? Oh, he thought you were Adam Sandler's brother. Like that doesn't make any like, sense. Well, he thought like, I looked. Enough I know who you like are, Adam but then he had no idea who you were. He thought I looked enough like Adam Sandler that I could be okay. his brother. See, I've never heard that. Ironically, I guess this is a shameless plug. Rob was on Adam Carolla's show today, mm-hmm. and Adam Carolla said that you look a lot like a writer for the Jimmy Kimmel show. What's the guy's name? Um, you know, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know off the top of my head, but you do look. Do what? You sounded annoyed on the annoyed on on. Yeah, like not annoyed, but like, oh, I don't look like this guy. And Adam did say he's older than you. He's like a fifty-year-old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you do look a little bit like him. Okay, I'll. I'll, t- I'll did you show t- it to your wife yet? Did you show the the picture to your wife yet? No, I haven't. Uh, I just don't know. I think you show her. I think she'll agree that you look like him. Although in some of the Google image pictures, he's got like a pretty sweet mustache, so you look different from him there. Right. I mean, there were many things that I was uh, really uh, looking forward to talking about uh, that. Here's a guy who looks like you. I, I didn't know where to pivot from that. Yeah, there wasn't. It's hard. It's nowhere you could go. Listen, the Ace Man is a uh, Ace Man is like Carmelo Anthony. You know, sometimes you're not. He's just hitting the three himself. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, missing it. <laughs> then also, uh, we have this uh, piece from Mike who says Rob talking about keeping condoms in his wallet. This week reminded me of an article I read about the life story of a condom. Turns out it was in the New Yorker, so it's doubly relevant. So yeah, I've read this story. I will, if I remember, I'll post the link in the comments uh, of this episode. But it's a story by Simon Rich, Frank Rich's son. He's a really funny writer, like maybe the funniest comedy writer, uh, like not sitcom writer, but like like humor writer in the world right now. Definitely the number one. Uh, and he's got books, and you should buy his books. They're probably really cheap on Amazon. But this story about like the life of a condom is amazing. You should definitely read it okay. in the New Yorker. You could it's you could read it. All right, what does Amir have to say? All right. Amir says, when Elaine presents her cartoon to Jerry and Kramer and they each suggest ways to make it funnier, isn't it essentially the same storyline from when George presents them with his infamous comeback? Kramer's suggestion of my wife is a slut is essentially the same comeback of, well, I had sex with your wife. Yeah, I mean, listen, Kramer's not a professional comedian like Jerry, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not crazy that that's his go-to line. Yeah. (laughs) Amir also says, the timing of this episode varies. Storylines, various storylines make no sense. While Elaine is dealing with a cartoon and George is struggling with dating with Lady Jerry, the following is also happening, or is all happening, in Jerry's timeline. Jerry insults Sally. Sally writes a full one-woman show from scratch. She performs it for weeks. It gets popular enough to be featured on Channel 9. She gets offered a cable special. She tapes the cable special. The special airs, and they now have a number of follow-ups on her special with brand new material. None of this makes sense. I tried to say this during the episode, but yeah, Amir articulates it better than I did. It's insane. Mm-hmm. In real life, how long is that storyline of the, of the cable special with the follow-up? At least two years, right? Well, it's a lot longer in 1998 than it is in 2017 because... One weird thing is, like, a comedian goes on tour for a year. Their Netflix special never airs right away. It's always, like, six months later or nine months later. Yeah. I have no idea what they hold it for, but maybe it's, like, they think if it's going to be a month after the tour, no one will go see the tour. That must be it. Maybe in 2017, you can get this timeline down to six months. Maybe for like a real, you know, a real rush job. But yeah, it's a mere well put Amir. It's crazy. Okay. Uh, for a, a mere rush job. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything else from Amir? Do you want to get into? Yeah, he, uh, he said, do you think Jer- he asked, do you think Jerry and George should have added? Not there's anything wrong with that at any point in the episode. Mm, it was a callback. Again, I don't think that it was a, 
a homosexual issue. Right. I, I also think if he does it, then it's too we're, – we're complaining this whole episode that it's too much of yeah. a of – a, of, yeah, it's too derivative. Okay. All right. And finally, here's Chester who says, this episode strikes me, Chester, as more problematic in 2016 than the outing. Thoughts? No, I think we've shot that down, right? Yeah. Shot down. Rejected. Okay. Also, Chester wants to know, do you guys make fun of pigs? I mean, I don't eat them. Okay. I feel like I have more respect for pigs than anybody. Okay. Elaine shows up at Jerry's after pulling an all-nighter to ask Jerry and Kramer what they think of her pig cartoon. She tells them that the New Yorker has already accepted it. How did that happen? They accepted it on spec? Or was supposed to believe that she showed up at their office looking like a slob at the crack of dawn and instantly approved the cartoon so that she could then go out to her friends and ask their opinions about it? It's a great question. This is an Amir-type question because it makes sense. Like, the... Where was the timeline? She tells them the whole story and at the very end casually mentions, well, I'm already in, mm-hmm. right? She just made the cartoon hours ago in the middle of the night. Now, if you really wanted to tie in the email thing, you could say, like, she emailed the New Yorker and they responded yes right away. With what? Right? I mean, did she, how did she get her picture into an email? Like, yeah, I guess there's no way to email a pic. That's insane. No. You're right. There's no way to email a picture in January of 98. Potentially. If she yeah. called up and described the picture over the phone, yeah. and they said, yeah. "Okay, that's great, send it over." Yeah, yeah, you, you could be right, but yeah, I, I think it doesn't make any sense, or she's lying and it hasn't been approved yet. Okay, but it, it's a good, good question. And then finally, Chester calls out that George's Jerry lookalike girlfriend cuts her own hair in a bathroom mirror. Yeah, seems risky, but that, that's probably true to her character. Yeah. it seems like. I think you could do what she did in a you know to yourself. I think that that's fine. I think that part of the issue was it wasn't even, so uh, it's not advised. Yeah. But she needed to get the gum out, and that's what you had to do. All right, Keeve. So, mm-hmm. what's the hashtag today? Did you write anything down? I think you had something written down. Um, nothing that was great. Uh, what did I write down? A uh, legacy failure was the one I wrote down. <laughs> Okay, no one will remember what that is. Yeah. Um, so what would you like to do? Huh. I like schmutzy, but that's really more of a show thing and less of a podcast thing. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, schmutzy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could do legacy failure. Okay, let's do that. Uh, for lack of something better here in an episode that was uninspired uh, or uninspiring. Oh, but the one thing I did want to add, like, w- when I was giving my score, what's the most famous thing from this episode? Really, there's nothing. Like, we ask this question almost every week. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons it's 125. It's like there's nothing for the hashtag because there's not like an iconic moment or something. Or a great there's, line. Yeah. If, yeah. If you had to explain this episode, you'd say the Kathy Griffin episode. No, which but one? If you had to like. The other one's much more right. memorable. More, It's a better episode. But there's, I mean, Kathy Griffin is, is ubiquitous here. Like she's in this episode more than almost any other guest stars in any episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that it's the George dates a woman who looks like Jerry. I think that that's probably the yeah. most iconic. Okay, thing. but that's not a that's like a storyline. That's not a like I'm thinking of like a line or a funny scene. Mm-hmm. And there's there's none here. Yeah. All right. There you go. So that's gonna do it for the cartoon. What's coming up next week, Keeve? Next week we got the strong box. A very heavy Elaine episode. Is her boyfriend married? George tries to break up with his girlfriend. Jerry buys cufflinks worn by Jerry Lewis. And uh, much more. Okay. All right. That's coming up next week. Uh, big thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who edits the Seinfeld Post Show Recap, and to Mike Moore, who writes up our write-up on PostShowRecaps.com. Keith, what's coming up on uh, 32 Fans, or is this a sore subject? It's a sore subject. We did a, I think, what I thought was a very fun podcast. No fault of the editor, Alexander Chester's. Uh, it was not saved, uh, and it probably won't be saved, so we're just going to probably... 
rehash, like do a mini soda and explain what happened. That's that's my guess. Okay. All right. Uh, Keeve, great stuff along the way. And uh, look forward to getting back into it next week on uh, the home stretch of the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.